0: What say you? Often, uh, <clears throat> talk to people in letters or when I make a statement on a text or an email and I'm talking about a particular issue, uh, I will uh, say, what say you, you know, give me some feedback, tell me what you think. Um, I want to know where you're at. Uh, I'd, I'd like to say that I'm the first one that ever did that, but I'm not. Jesus did. He said to Peter, what say you? What say you about the church? What say you about what people are thinking? Peter thought that, and Jesus knew that Peter was, uh, he was kind of the dear abbey of his generation. He knew what was going on. So if you take a look at Matthew 16, verse 13, where that actually does take place, it's interesting. So if I were to say to you, how do you feel about The church. All right, we know the church is is Jesus and it is the bride of Christ. We know that you should not endeavor to separate Jesus from his church. You have the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are the three in one. Amen. Three different manifestations. So you got God, Father, who is the Creator. You've got Jesus, who was the sacrifice, the Redeemer. Thank God. And you have the Holy Spirit, that is the revelator of truth, and he is, in fact, the comforter. They work together in unison. They are never apart from the standpoint of, of their belief system. They are the three-in-one, called the Godhead. We believe in that. When Jesus, of course, came and died, he died for a purpose. And that purpose was to redeem men and women from their sins. We would be damned, we would be damned without the sacrifice that Jesus made. Then he, then he came to the conclusion, then, then how shall I form this group of individuals that are redeemed? How do I, how do I get them together what do, I, how, what do I want to call this church? What do I want to call the church? It is the bride of Christ. Jesus died, adopted, took under his wing, the church called the bride of Christ. You and I are the bride of Christ. Amen? We are the bride of Christ. Now, I'm the bride of Christ. Here's what the culture ought to be thinking. What kind of bride am I? What kind of bride? You can say the whole church, as we know it today, is the bride of Christ. But it really comes down to you as an individual. Well, I'm not the sum total of the bride of Christ. You are where you live. You are where you work. You are where you shop. You are in your environment. You are the bride of Christ. You're the representative of the one and only Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Then, what kind of bride are you? Here's another question. Here's another question. How do you think the culture that is an unbelieving culture by majority, how they feel about the bride of Christ? How do they feel about it? Now, here's another question. What say you? Is do you feel the church today? is as valuable and as important today in the minds of the culture in which we live as it was 25 years ago? No. How many think that it's more like Christ today than it was 25 years ago? How many think 25 years ago it was closer seemingly in relevance and in and relationship Seem to be? Why is that? Why do you think that is? Well, let's take a look at marriage. Let's take a look at marriage. Do you think marriage is valued more today in the house of marriage than it was 25 years ago? How many of you believe marriage is valued more today than it was 25 years ago? How many of you, help me out now, it's going to be calisthenics. How many believe that the church 25 or the marriage 25 years ago was of greater value in the minds of the average person in the culture? Sure it was. What causes that to change? Well, I went to school and I learned that. The reality is, is the world constantly is changing. We understand that. Times are changing. You agree with that? Uh, Value systems are changing. Not because this has changed, but it's because people, when you begin to lose touch with the reality of the spiritual dominion of who you are, And you're influenced by a pressure that is an ungodly pressure. If you are not careful as a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what happens. You give yourself permission to back away from a priority that you really need to set high and stick to it. Okay? I uh, saw on Facebook someone who gets to church about two out of four Sundays. Well, on the Facebook, here's what was posted. Wow, that doggone time. I forgot to spring my clock forward. And the next thing I knew, I woke up and it was too late to go to church. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, I wonder if you were going on a plane ride to Hawaii. How about that? Do you, do you think that you would have been careful to think that you would have set that alarm to know that you're going to have to get up at a specific time you want to be sure because you don't want to miss that airplane? And we already know by personal witness back there that I-4 can get backed up big time. I think, here's what I thought. I thought you wouldn't have missed that plane ride for nothing. Then what is the difference, pray Pray tell. You see, that was a big issue that Jesus is endeavoring to settle. Now, here's what I believe. I don't care what other preachers say. I don't give two liver lips what they think. I mean, I don't mean that like as an arrogant statement because I I know that I'm not going to be gathered before God in a group of preachers. Amen? It's going to be God, me. Here it is straight on. How did you conduct yourself as a pastor, pastoring people? Did you agree to give up? Did you agree to compromise? Did you agree all of those things? Or did you continue to preach, hey, if we're going to do it, let's give it our best shot. If we're going to belong to it, let's be enthused about it. If we're going to get engaged in it, let's roll our sleeves up and make it happen. If we're going to have focus, let's have a vision and focus. Amen? Amen. Let's make things relevant. So here's, I believe today like never before that there is a power that God is willing to unleash at any time, I call that revival, amen? Now, I know there's darkness all around. I understand that. You don't have to go very far. I know there's wickedness out there. I know there's despair. I know that people are under pressure. I know that people are under the gun. I know communication is is, is low. I know that financial challenges are high. I know the economy's got a little breath of hope, but people are sitting back, you know, folding their arms. I understand all that. But the Bible says, hey, but where sin, where sin where sin and compromise and difficulty increase, there is grace all the more to meet the need that comes into my life. It's kind of like, hey, I don't, you know, I was raised in a family. I just always cussed. And since I've been saved, I still cuss a lot. I just, I can't help it. I just, before I know it, I cuss. You know what I'm going to say to you, you cussing thing? I'm going to say, but in you is the power of the Holy Spirit that behold the things that you were weak in He now has given you strong. You can overcome that cussing attitude. I know it's just Sunday night. You don't have to shout me down. I know that. So I look at it as I talk about the influence of the church. Now listen carefully. It is important that we keep connected to the pipeline of our anointing we are chosen. That's not going to change. We are the chosen people of God. We are stamped by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood has a distinct smell. And I'm here to tell you that blood has a distinct power that has the ability to take the worst drunk in town and liberate them by one fell swoop of his word. Amen. But here's what I also know, that the church needs to have the influence of Spirit-filled, fire baptized, Holy Spirit anointing if we're going to make an impact for the kingdom of God. In these days where cultural pressure are greater than ever, I still believe that God has an antidote and it is the divine anointing of Jesus Christ. Amen. I still believe there's power in the blood and there's power in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does society say about the church? Matthew 16, 13, it's a familiar scripture. Here it is. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. So he said, come here, boys. I want to talk to you all. Let's have a little roundtable discussion. So he asked his disciples, here's what I want to know. Who do people out there that you run with, who do the people when you go to the Qantas Club, what are they saying? When you go to town center, what are they saying? When you go down to Publix shop, hey, guys, I want to know what they're saying. I want to know what they're saying to the city council, county commission, and in the election season, who, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's a good question. Who, who do people say that the Son of Man is? That's, uh, that's important. Do you think Jesus asked that question because he's insecure? I mean, I wouldn't think a person would be very insecure if he saw a guy paralyzed from head to toe if he said, be healed. And all of a sudden, they're healed. That'd take your insecurities away pretty fast. So who do you say that I am? Several questions posed to the disciples, and these questions related to him and his ministry without conflict. When you talk Jesus, you're talking about church. When you talk Jesus and the church, you're talking about God. When you talk about Jesus, you talk about the church, you talk about God. You are talking about the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate them. You cannot separate them. We can relate to that. Jesus wanted to know the opinions of the people of his day. Society in the church of Jesus Christ. George Barna, he's a pretty good researcher, George Barna. He said, what American believes." He said, among adults who say they are Christians, who attend church regularly? He said, of those that we surveyed, the majority are formal members, but are not born again. And there's little difference in spiritual commitment between members and non-members. Little difference in members and non-members. Well, try that on for size. In the culture in which we live today, just kind of gate, not judging because you cannot judge. Or let me rephrase, you're not supposed to judge. Do you see behavior out of Christians? Do you ever see that? That's not much different from a non-Christian. You ever notice that? Now, we're not supposed to judge and we're not going to be, oh, I'm just more spiritually mature. But here's what we find out. The top six reasons people attend church, according to Barna. Six. See where you fit to learn about God. 14%. To be a better person. 14%. It's a tradition. I go because I've always done it. 5%. I actually enjoy church. 5%. Well, there's family pressure. I can't get away with not going 3%. And I'm seeking peace. 1%. 1%. Those are the top six reasons. Can I say something to you? None of those six reasons even fit anywhere close why I would come to church. I'd say, what about, I can't do without it. Because it is in the heart of my heavenly Father who redeemed me. And if he created it, I'm in love with it. And I can't do anything else because my spirit won't let me get away from the perfect will of a divine God. Come on and help me, y'all. Society answers questions in several ways. They answer questions in several ways. They say the church is not necessary. You don't need the church. I actually had a survey that came from the General Council of the Assemblies of God the other day. I'm not real big into surveys, but for some reason I pushed the click. And I, I, I received several questions. Do you believe the church five years from now will be relevant or at all in your community? Well, you know what I wanted to do. I want to be a smart aleck. How am I supposed to know? But I knew the answer. I knew the answer. I thought, if you're asking me, do you think that community will believe the church is more relevant five years from now, the people in my community, that it will be more relevant five years from now than it is right now, then my answer is no. Why? Because I've got history. I can take a look at it. They declare that they don't have time. I just don't have time to go to church. They believe God really doesn't care what you do. Worship and religion is a private matter. It's a private matter. Then why the church? Hello, it's it's private matter. Can I tell you something? Have you seen the unload of sin on the culture today? They don't care what it is, what it looks like on the media, and you'll have different television programs that are there, and don't even hide it when one man will kiss another man in primetime television and say, we're not ashamed of that kind of behavior. I say, if the devil is not ashamed of that kind of behavior, surely we shouldn't be ashamed of being able to declare the good news of Jesus Christ and say, to God be, the glory for great things he has done. He has done. Not ashamed. Don't have time. God does care what we do. They say the church is not relevant. The church is boring. Not here. If you get bored, you just raise your hand. You won't ever be bored again. (laughs) Ever. They say, I can worship at home. I actually have one family right now, used to be as faithful here as they can be. They worship now at home by themselves, play the piano, sing their own worship songs. Why? I'm thinking, as, I, as I'm thinking, surely there's a church of the 150 maybe in the Lakeland area. Is that a close number, Dan? I'm sorry? Okay, so I missed it, 250. Surely you can find a church that fits where you feel to worship. Surely. So, well, it's the Bible. They were in house churches. Hello. Then what happened on the day of Pentecost when they all got together? In one spirit, one accord. What happened that 3,000, what does it say, joined the church? In one day, out of one message, they joined the church. And let me tell you, they didn't have church just every Sunday. They had church every stinking hour of every single day because they could not get enough of what was happening in their midst. People on the social media can social media and everything else. Oh, I went today, got a haircut. It wasn't a good haircut. I'm really down and depressed, and they post that. Who cares about your haircut? <laughs> Probably some of you posted that. If you did, I'm I don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> What would happen if when you came to church, you that are in the social media, what happened if you came to church As soon as church is over, you got and said, Posted, went to meet Jesus today in the house of worship. Enjoyed it. Worship was great. God was so good. People responded, I cannot get enough. What do you think would happen if you began to see post after post after post after post of what God did as it relates to his church? I'm telling you, you could positively affect those that absolutely follow you. And if they didn't like it, all they can do is delete you. You see, unfortunately, the world and the culture in which we live gradually is pushing out meetings like this. Pushing out opportunities to get together, lost its credibility, its influence, its power, its purpose. U.S. News and World Report made this statement in one of their articles We are a nation in a crisis of conscience. In a crisis of conscience, I don't have a conscience problem. Do you? What's you do in word or deed, amen, do it as unto the Lord. I don't. I thank God, you know, because we've tried. What have we done? In the, un- in the ungodly culture, sometimes we've tried to excuse the church. We've tried to legislate moral value. We've tried to deny the need of prayer. We actually have. We've reduced God to a fantasy. What is God? On one of the public education. what is God? If you watch that program, it stinks to high heavens, not even close to the truth. Jesus did have a girlfriend and actually did marry. And Mary was not a virgin birth. And people sit there and read that. Do you know why? Because they're blinded by the power of darkness. And listen carefully. Do you know the only institution that is a shining light in every community is the church of Jesus Christ? And we need to learn how to answer the question, what say you when you talk about the bride of Christ? I'm telling you, it's time the church stand up and say, I'll tell you what I say. Hallelujah. I rejoice in the Lord. Here's something. What do you say about the church? But what about you? He turns to Peter, makes it personal, and he asks, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say the bride of Christ is? How do you answer that question And to be synonymous? Because the answer to that question is synonymous by how you feel about Jesus. How you feel about Jesus? For, or John fourteen ten, the words I say to you are not just my own, Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus said that he and the Father are one. And the church is a part of that relationship. You know, how are they manifested in our world today? How are they manifested? So, I told you this morning, I think this morning, maybe in one of the services, I was at the Southeastern Gala on Friday night, had an opportunity to make the pitch to raise money for scholarships for the school. I love doing things like that because I believe that men and women can step to the plate for Christian organizations so we can help see more people and more young people get involved in education and have their life, not only a great academic experience, but have a relationship with Jesus Christ where professors don't challenge the Trinity of Almighty God. When the chief of police was asked, what was it that made the difference where the, where the crime rate and murder rate, in the bottom, that's where we have the Dream Center, at Fifth and Kettles. Isn't that right, Whitney? Fifth and Kettles. Fifth and Kettles, a crime rate drop. In unison, they said, it's the Dream Center. It's the Dream Center. But the Dream Center is is not a social organization where we're giving out free meals. It's not a social organization where we're giving out health care products it's not a social organization you get all that in some degree or another it's not a not a civic organization where we want to come and pick up you know trash out of your lawn or mow your lawn The Dream Center, primarily its foundation is we do all those other social services and many more beside that. But there's one thing you're absolutely going to get. If you come, you're going to hear the name of Jesus Christ. If you're sick, we are going to pray for you. If you need Jesus, we are not even going to blink twice. We're going to tell you who he is and bring you into the fold as much as we can. That is the very reason the Dream Center exists. And here is the truth. If we ever cease to do that, we don't need a Dream Center anymore. What makes a difference? It's about Jesus. And if you'd have been there this morning, you would have sent a number of people who ordinarily are not in church. Isn't that right, Whitney? Worshiping in a way that they have never known because you as the church provided that opportunity. My actions show my love for God as it relates to my engagement and my involvement my love for God, my faithfulness to God, my obedience to God, my service for God. And as a believer, I ought to be seeking God for revival. I, I believe in just one more soul. How about you? Amen? Just one more soul. I, I believe we ought to be praying for revival. I, you know where revival starts? It starts in you. Amen? Revival starts in you. Uh, Revival starts. We're to be worshiping as in revival. Hallelujah. We're to be clearing that the days of miracle are not over. Let me suggest to you, this church right now and numerous prayer groups across this campus on different days have prayer groups that are praying for God's protection and guidance on this church and praying for revival. One of these days, a great tsunami is going to take over. Hallelujah. And you and I, who may have become a little bit weary in well-doing, we are going to see the touch of the power of God's anointing, come down and see people liberated like you have never seen in your life. That day is still right just ahead of us. Somebody say, a good amen. We realize that we'll never be, we're not a perfect church. Nobody is, as long as people sit in the pews. but Here's what I found. If you want to get closer to perfection, get in the altar. find the place where you have a war room. Amen? Get in a war room somewhere. I got to stop. I'm going to get in that war room. You will get closer to God. And as you get close to him, greater perfection. Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God not the statue of God. He meant you're the redeemer, you're the chosen one, you're the healer, you're the baptizer, you are the comforter. And when someone says, what's up? What's up? So I'll tell you what's up is at the church. Finally, say finally. You know what that means in the Greek? Preach some more. I mean, it could be that. I mean, why not? What does jesus say about the church that ought to be important someone said to me not long ago y'all go to church too much you know what i wanted to say because i'd been preaching on on the beatitudes (laughs) and i remembered one of the beatitudes which held me back (laughs) don't you hate it when you have to live by your own preaching don't you just hate it? That's what I wanted to say from the looks of you, you need a whole lot more church because you're not good do, doing very well on the tank load you get every other Sunday. But I didn't say that. What do you say? And that really is what matters. And I tell you that you are Peter. Because you answered the question and on this rock I'm gonna build my church. And the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus complimented Peter for his answer. And he declared that Peter answered, whether Peter realized it or not, under the guidance and anointing of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus did not say, I'm going to build my church on the imperial Roman government. I'm going to build my church on granite. I'm going to build my church in the holy city on the Temple Mount. He looked at Peter and related to him. A man of human flesh. And he said, I'm going to build my church. This is what he meant, through people like you, Peter. That's how I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church through people who really do get it right and can answer the question, I'm going to build my church on the rock because when a person makes their mind up that they're committed to something, they are not going to be shaken. Peter, that's who you are. And the gates of hell. What are the gates of hell? The gates of hell wrestles with your mind to cause you to doubt and hit places of unbelief in your head, and it starts there. No, Peter, you are bound and you are determined. I'm going to build. I'm going to build my church on what you believe because you believe it enough. I believe now, Peter, that you're willing to give your life. Life for my church. And people today, every five minutes, someone is dying on this planet. Every five minutes, because nothing more than their faith in Jesus Christ. You're not going to deny him, no, pal, you're dead. Every five minutes. And how wonderful it is, the church is not on a defensive, but we're on the offensive. But could it be, remember the church as a whole, but could it be as an individual that we're caught up and maybe just a bit stagnant or bewildered or misguided or powerless institution and we believe that? I say that's a lie. I say the church, his church, is greater and will be greater tomorrow than it was today. Because that is the will of God. The bride of Christ is getting bigger and bigger, and the family in the bride of Christ gathering is getting bigger and bigger. Right now, in Indonesia, in Africa, in India, I'm telling you, in Muslim com- countries, they are coming in by the droves declaring Jesus Christ is Lord and denying their Muslim faith. The church is getting bigger. You and I have the privilege to do that. The institution is the body of believers. We are ordered by what? A divine purpose directed by a divine anointing. We are charged by a fire from the Holy Spirit. We are baptized with a fresh vision. We are thirsting for more of the living water. And we are seeking to seize and conquer all the enemy stronghold. And it is not by might nor by power, you know it, but by the Spirit of the living God. God says, that's my word. And then in Exodus... In Exodus, he says, I want to tell you what happened. Exodus 23, 27. There will be a time I'm going to send my terror ahead of you and throw you into confusion every nation you encounter. And I will make your enemies turn their backs and run. Listen carefully. If you think you're in the minority because you're a believer, there is coming a day when the Prince of Peace... The mighty rose of Sharon... He's going to return and every knee is going to bow and every eye is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the strong Son of God. He will not be denied. Hallelujah. He will rise up and the enemies of the world will shake and tremble. And those of us, hallelujah, that are in that reign with Him, we will rejoice and shout and praise and exalt Him and be ever more glad we believed and stuck with the church of Jesus Christ that is the power of the will of God for all of us so listen now listen now if your life is boring and you don't like the church and you can't get excited about God's work in God's church let me tell you what the problem is you it's you it's you So if you believe anything that's been preached out of this pulpit, find you an altar and say, find you a prayer room, a war room, and say, God, I need another dab. Matter of fact, I need a whole dump truck load of what you've got because there are people that are dying and going to hell that's under my influence, under my nose, that I don't say one word to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Help me out a little bit. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we are so extremely thankful tonight for the privilege that we have to love you and to say hallelujah for you. We're so grateful because we know there are miracles in the house and there'll be miracles that'll take place in the lives of some people tomorrow. God, you're going to Pull back a curtain in someone's life tomorrow, and you're going to reveal a promise that it's going to be fulfilled. Others, God, who have been down and out, you're going to infuse them with a new testimony. You're going to give them new drive. Physically, they're going to feel the, the tingling of the Holy Spirit and know, wow, God's healing me. God's anointing me. God, in your holy name, I am believing that the greatness of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives is going to shine like the noonday sun. And we're going to have more than we could ever imagine. I pray for every person in this room. I pray you would guide them and lead them and anoint them. I pray for our online audience. I pray you'd touch them right now. I pray you'd breathe into their life, into their heart. And God, say something extremely special to them right now. I'm claiming that. I'm claiming that in Jesus' name. You're here this evening or you're here online, whatever the case. I'm going to ask you to let's repeat this prayer together. Can we do that? Let's say it together. Dear Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. me. I have failed. failed. I've made mistakes. I've been arrogant. I've been stubborn, been stubborn, and I need you. I need you. Come, into Come into my heart. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my, Cleanse mind. my heart. Cleanse my Let, heart. Me Let me stay focused on the things that, are things, that are things that are important to my, Jesus my Savior, Jesus so Christ. So here I am right now so here I am asking right now you asking for that you anointing, for that, that, anointing, that, anointing fell that fell on the day of Pentecost. In, in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 One more hand for the Lord, shall we? Amen. amen if you need prayer we're going to have a couple of altar workers to come they're going to sing for another five minutes or so but you know what your obedience your your disobedience by not coming may cause you to miss what God has so I'd be very careful how I responded to this altar service because I, I just believe it's kind of this way if you touch a 200 if you touch a 110 I don't go out with a screwdriver and put it in the socket in my house even a 110 I just don't like that I just don't like that. I may have encouraged other people to do it from time to time. I don't touch a 220. That's the kind that runs your your clothes dryer. I don't, but you can't touch either one of them without you being changed. And you cannot respond out of obedience to God without being changed. One time, here we go. If you need prayer, you come now. Would you do that?